fantasy readers, this is Corinne Norton, your fellow book binger, and you are listening to the Finding Fantasy Reads podcast, where you can test out a new fantasy story every single week to find your next favorite author. I told you guys a while back that I wanted to feature some cozy fantasy, and today is the day. It has fairy godmothers in training, sweet romance, and light humor that kept me smiling through the whole story. It's written by Jennifer Dyer, who is a multiple award-winning author who spent her childhood aspiring to be a ninja Jedi princess. She loves to inspire readers with clever heroes and heroines, second chances, found family, and stories of redemption. And swoony romance and chocolate are always a bonus. I had the pleasure of meeting Jennifer at Realm Makers this past summer. She is such a huge supporter of so many authors, and she's constantly sharing about their books, so I'm thrilled to finally have the chance to share something of hers. Stick around to the end or check out today's show notes to see where you can find more from Jennifer, as well as how to enter our new giveaway. For now, please enjoy The Midnight Requirement by Jennifer Dyer. Of all the evenings to leave my wand at work, this is the worst. I zip through the dim and silent halls of Fairy Godmother headquarters, the frantic beating of my wings reflecting my rushing thoughts. I need to get my wand, then zoom home to my second, okay, third, bowl of berry dew ice cream. Anything to forget tonight's betrayal. The pressure tightens in my throat again but I refuse to give in to more tears. Purple and pink fireworks flash outside a nearby window, the sky-lighting portion of the Queen's high summer ball. Aside from the food, it's one of the parts of the ball I love the most. I turn away so I don't have to see them. A magic mirror flashes to life as I skulk past, displaying a fairy godmother in a sparkly pink gown fluttering over a flowery meadow, shooting fairy dust from her wand. In a cheerful voice, she trills, And they lived happily ever after. She winks at the viewer while writing in sparkly gold appears next to her. Use your wish today. Your H-E-A awaits. I resist punching the mirror because I'm allergic to pain. Plus, as the fairy godmother assistant intern, I already clean up enough messes around here. But seriously, the adverts make it sound like wishes grow on blackberry bushes, yet each fairy only gets one in their lifetime. Flapping my wings, I glare at the shimmering surface, showing a kissing couple. Lies. Happily ever after doesn't exist. A shadow blocks the path to my desk, and I nearly run into a tall, muscular fairy. Before he utters a word, I already know who it is and I don't want to hear what he has to say. Still, he can't help himself. Don't let Lulu hear you say that. His deep voice grates up my spine and to the tips of my wings. Perfect. Just what I needed. Hunter Driftwood. As always, Hunter wears black from his raven hair to his boots. When we're on the ground, he's three centimeters taller than my fifteen centimeters, so I flap to gain equal height. His narrowed eyelids almost obscure his bright emerald irises, and his full lips curl into a sneer. Why are you here dressed like that? I step back and follow his gaze. 
My soft blue ball gown sparkles in the low light. Well, except for the purple berry dew ice cream stains marring the bodice and the flower petal skirt. And instead of the satin heels I'd bought for the ball, I'm wearing caterpillar slippers with purple flower noses. But perhaps the crowning achievement is my name tag. Since I'd forgotten my wand, with its unlock spells for headquarters, I'd had to use the visitor entrance. The desk fairy had started her highball celebrating early and had gotten my name wrong, spelling it silly bum instead of syllabum marianum. I go by Mary at any rate, but no one around here remembers. I flap my wings to edge around him. I'm just here to pick up something. Your wand? He folds his toned arms over his chest. Not that I care about his muscles. I give him a heated look and slide past, catching a hint of orange mixed with sandalwood. Go count your pencils, Driftwood. He follows. Weren't you supposed to be at the ball? Changed my mind. Yep, that's totally what happened. The pressure behind my eyes intensifies to a burn. I blink, refusing to give in. Hunter huffs what could be a laugh if it came from someone capable of such frivolity. Where's Mr. Perfect? What's his name again? Shiplap? Shifty? Shut up. I scoot to my tiny cubicle, shoving aside piles of paper, plants, and my collection of kitten miniatures, before I locate the wand under the thick fairy godmother assistant manual emblazoned with the acronym FGAM. I resist the urge to slam it on Hunter's toes. Hunter is still scowling when the mirror behind us activates and flashes bright pink. He groans. Not another FGE. It takes me a moment to shuffle through the hundreds of acronyms FGH, Fairy Godmother Headquarters, uses. Right. FGE is a Fairy Godmother emergency. My eyes meet Hunter's and it's like the two of us are on the same page for the first time ever. We both bolt for the door. If they don't find us here, they can't make us. Our manager, Lulu, pops into the hallway, blocking our escape. Her embroidered purple dress stretches tight across her apple-shaped middle, and she's carrying a delicate saucer piled with lemon-lavender tarts and dainty burnt-sugar chocolate swirls. My mouth waters at the food that obviously came from the ball. More of my favorites. I fight the urge to knock the plate out of her hands. She pops an entire tart into her mouth, making a smacking noise. Driftwood, silly bum, glad you're here. It's Mary, and I was on my... Lulu waves me off. It's a code five, and since you don't have anything else to do tonight, I have plans. Eating berry dew ice cream at home constitutes a plan. She finishes her last pastry and waves the saucer away with her wand. Giselda's granted an unauthorized wish, and you know how she is. Doesn't do a lick of paperwork, so she's gone and left the magic on again. It's got to be turned off by midnight or, she grimaces, we can't have a repeat of the 08 disaster. She glances my way as if noticing my outfit for the first time and tisks. Show some pride in yourself. I shoot back a frown of my own. I requested the night off, so I can wear whatever everyone knows your plans changed. My mouth opens, 
but all that comes out is a tiny ugh. Hunter scowls. This is a punishment, and you know it. His deep voice rumbles through the room. Lulu waves a pudgy hand like she's showcasing something precious. It's an opportunity. Hunter's arms and shoulders go taut. It's a waste of my skill set. My wings snap shut. What skills would that be? Acting like a total, Lulu shushes me. There's no way around the midnight requirement. Hunter's normally pale face flushes. First, I'm relegated to a bureaucracy. Now I'm demoted to grunt work with incompetent low flyers. Excuse me? How dare he imply the fairies in my department weren't skilled enough to fly at higher altitudes, like we were too stupid. You arrogant wasp! I'll have you know, us fairy godmother assistants don't work in MIT. His green eyes glow like evil magical amulets. Oh, pardon me, Mr. Magic Information Technology. Didn't realize I had to curtsy in your presence. Lulu snaps her fingers between us. Figure it out, or you're both fired. My jaw drops, but Hunter's wings flap so hard he raises several centimeters off the floor. Suddenly, he's less a technology grunt and more like a dragon. You can't figure it out. Lulu flies off, wings flapping at hummingbird speed. I fist my wand. Hunter's suddenly in my face. This is your fault. I stand my ground. What in your deluded brain facts? He counts off on his fingers. If you hadn't skipped out early to coat your face in six layers of sludge, Giselda wouldn't have forgotten to file her paperwork. And if you hadn't forgotten your wand and come back looking so miserable, I wouldn't have been in this room getting trapped into doing your job. Therefore, we wouldn't be in this situation. That's the most he's ever said to me. But the doing your job bit stings like flying into thorny bougainvillea vines. And what does me looking miserable have to do with anything? Your paychecks are signed by headquarters. Same as me, Magic Tech. He glowers and spins, almost knocking me back with his wings, and stalks down the hallway. Good. I sink onto my stool, rubbing my temples, my hands coming away tinted with the pink glitter Juniper insisted would be perfect for the ball. I wipe my hands on a report for Lulu, not at all sorry when glitter smears across the numbers. A shadow looms, and Hunter is back, broodier than ever. Are you coming, or do they pay you to stand still and dribble pixie dust? My eyes snap to meet his. Apparently, they pay me to interface with artificial intelligence. I flap my wings and zoom past him, ready to find the rogue FG and get home to some chocolate. Still, maybe it's better having to work. This way, I have a legitimate reason to avoid the ball. Hunter clears his throat and points down the hall to his left. I've prepared a briefing. When? It's been like ten seconds. While you were pouting? I wasn't... Ugh, this guy. Wouldn't it be briefer to find Giselda and get the paperwork filed? We've only got... I wave my wand for a show-me-the-time spell, but only a few pitiful sparks spit out. Hunter looks heavenward like I'm the biggest annoyance in hidden wood. Didn't charge your wand again? What business is it of yours? And how did he know this was the second occurrence this week? 
I've been so swamped with ball preparations. Details have slipped my mind. I flip past him. I'll charge it, then meet you for your stupid briefing. Headquarters is fortunate enough to have a wand tree and a watering well on premises, so charging can be quick. I exit our floor into the central courtyard, where a golden-trunked tree grows in the center, stretching far into the sky. Leaves that range from glossy forest green to light gold are tinged with silver in the moonlight. Next to the tree, the well is a small, white-bricked circle. It's old-fashioned, with a crank handle to bring up water one bucket at a time. The elders insist magic works best when we do things the traditional way. I flutter to the base of the tree and stick my wand into the soil. Wands are recharged with magic by resting in the soil of a wand tree, then being watered, preferably from a sacred well. A glance at the well reveals no bucket, and it's not in the courtyard either. All I find is someone's half-full coffee cup with a purple lipstick stain that looks like Juniper's color. I resist an irritated hiss. How long had Juniper and Shade been planning— Nope. No time for that now. I grab Juniper's day-old latte and chunk it on the soil around my wand. Coffee's almost the same as water, right? It'd be fine. Time is short, so instead of waiting the recommended five minutes, I give my wand a quick swish, wipe the soil off, and flutter back to Hunter's office. I know where his cubicle is, but I'd have found it anyway because of the screams and shouts coming from his magic mirror. What is he watching? He's so intent on the image that he doesn't acknowledge me. On the surface, what might have been a lovely garden party has turned to horror. Fairies scream and flutter away as a table turns into a pumpkin, then the chairs, then another table. The pumpkin spell spreads. I gasp as a hanging lantern turns into a spaghetti squash and crashes onto two screaming fairies. Hunter clears his throat. Guess the spell's not confined to pumpkins, but gourds in general. That's what concerns you? What concerns me is that we have less than an hour to find Giselda if we want to prevent that. My eyes are wide. This is the disaster of 08 Lulu mentioned? Hunter pauses the mirror with a wand flick. This should be included in all FGH trainings. Fairies died in the 08 crisis. We're silent for a moment, taking in the reality. If we fail, the results could be deadly. I speak first. Okay, we find Giselda and problem solved. With a flick of his fully charged wand, he waves black-lettered charts into the air. She's gone offline. He points to one of his charts, a map of headquarters. Her last known location was here. Uh, that's my office. Right, so obviously she came to see you, found you had left early, and failed to turn in her paperwork. This isn't my fault. Still, the berry dew in my stomach churns. Juniper was covering my calls while I picked up my dress. Then we need to get in touch with her. I snort. She's at the ball. Not going near there, and I had no plans to speak to Juniper again after what she did. Plus, there's no mention of Giselda in our daily log. I don't think Juniper saw her. 
Instead of arguing that we should head there, Stat, he nods and runs a hand through his thick hair. What would you suggest? I wait for him to say something sarcastic, but he leans a hip on his desk and folds muscular, again, not that I care, arms across his chest. Hmm. When he didn't have a twig up his rear, he was cute. In an objective way, of course. I shake off that thought and get down to business. We could use a wish tracer spell. He gasps like I'd suggested harming puppies. Do you have a warrant? I wave that off, which is the wrong thing to do. Under section 632 of the manual, I flick my wand to show the time. But instead of my usual purple writing, the numbers come out green. And runny. Um, still, I pointed. We only have 45 minutes. The wish subject could be anywhere, even in the human realm. That makes my stomach twist worse than before. But braving the humans and their machines would be better than the ball. He pauses at his desk, staring into a drawer, then back at me with a conflicted look. I motion to the door. You going to organize office supplies or come with me? That earns me the narrowed eyes again, but his gaze lands on the mirror, frozen on the image of a cute garden house complete with moss and flowers. Except the house is half orange, morphing into a pumpkin. My legs grow heavy. Were fairies trapped inside? Hunter slides a bottle out of the drawer and motions for me to follow him. What's in the bottle? Shh. Don't shush me. What? Is it sunscreen? Afraid the moon will shine too bright? He grunts and leads me out a side window, shooting through the trees. Wow, that fairy could fly. I pant to keep up with his larger wingspan, regretting skipping air aerobics for the last, um, lifetime. But tomorrow, I'm committed. Maybe. Finally, he pauses on the far side of a crepe myrtle, ducking into its branches. Can I trust you, Mary? I pause. He's used my preferred name, the one Lulu's never bothered to learn. Uh, yeah? He shakes his head, running a hand through his hair. I can't risk. The tense shift in his muscles shakes me. Hey, you can trust me. I swear on every future bite of chocolate. He must realize how serious that promise is, because he nods. It's not like I have that much more to lose. Whoa, what is he talking about? Before I can ask, he uncorks the bottle and waves his wand. Blue smoke swirls out like a tiny tornado. What's that? A wish tracer I've been working on. Isn't wish tracing illegal without a warrant? This is different from a wand spell. He gives me a side eye, but still probably illegal. His lip crooks up, which makes him look less perfect, more bad boy. I force my eyes back to the smoke, which is forming a trail to the center of hidden wood, toward the castle. The two of us scoot shoulder to shoulder and... No. We say the word at the same time because the wish subject is apparently at the ball. The wind is against us, so it takes too long to fly to the queen's courtyard where the ball is being held. The whole time my thoughts swirl faster than the wish trail. I don't want to go into the ball. 
especially with smeared mascara and caterpillar slippers. But visions of pumpkin apocalypse haunt me. So many fairies might get hurt, even juniper and stupid shade. High hedges block off the courtyard, but we peek in through a gap. Hundreds of fairies hum around the lush courtyard, eating and dancing, and a full orchestra plays in the corner. The clock tower in the center of the courtyard reveals we have less than five minutes until midnight. Hunter leans closer to be heard over the music, and my neck tingles at his low words. I'd offer to do this solo, but I can't go in. The queen, I gasp, cutting him off. The trail swirls forward, leading to a couple leaning in for a kiss. Juniper and Shade. The truth hits me harder than a wing cramp. This is why Juniper offered to cover my desk. She knew I had Giselda's contact info. That little moth wished for my date to fall for her. The betrayal washes over me, stealing my breath. Hunter scoffs. What do you see in him anyway? He's a total dandelion. You wouldn't understand. No, I don't. He doesn't deserve you. You're so far out of his league, he's not even inside the stadium. Hunter's emerald eyes come into focus, staring at me as if I was something beautiful. He grimaces. I'm sorry I've been such a thorn to you. The one thing I look forward to every day is seeing you smile, but you waste all your energy on him. Tonight, when you came in crying, and I knew it was Shade's fault, he shakes his head. We don't have time for this. I swallow. Did he mean to say he cared for me? He was right. We didn't have time for this. But I was going to stop the end of the world so we could discuss it more. I brandish my wand. Let's go. We zoom into the garden. Our best chance is to get Juniper to unwish the spell, thereby turning off the magic. Surely she'll listen to reason. I start talking before we land. Juniper, you've got to undo the wish. She gives me a double take. What wish? Come on, silly bum. This really is sad. Liar. By the way Shade's eyes are glazed over, it's obvious he's so far under her spell, he can't think straight. Hunter moves toward us, but three guards converge on him, dragging him away. One says, you're not welcome here, Driftwood. Struggling, Hunter yells to me, One minute! Juniper grips Shade's arm. Face it, I won. Had she always been this shallow? This isn't about winning. Giselda didn't set the magic to turn off at midnight. And if we don't stop it, the spell will go rogue. Fairies could die, Juniper glares. Liar! Ugh! For the last year, you've talked about Shade as if the two of you were the only fairies in Hidden Wood but I've known him longer. She taps her chest, shaking green fairy dust off the icy petals of her dress. You never once considered that I was in love with him. You don't care about anyone except yourself. I had to make this wish, and I'm never undoing it. The clock tower strikes the first bell of midnight. If we get to twelve. Please, Juniper. I stare around, wondering if we'll be at the epicenter of the pumpkin quake. She digs her nails into shade. Let's go. The second gong sounds. I chase after them. 
Maybe if I can get them away from the crowd, no one will get hurt. But Juniper ducks behind a couple guards and yells that I'm harassing her. Third gong. Strong guards fly me toward the exit. I wave my wand to stop Juniper, but only a stream of latte comes out. Gong. The guards toss me outside, and one waves his wand at me. Gong. Several feet down the garden, hunters in the middle of a fist fight with two guards. I try to run back in, but my guard must have hit me with a blocking spell. Crab apples. I'm stuck outside. Gong. What was I going to do? Lulu firing me paled in comparison to the carnage that could ensue. Gong. I fly to the top of the hedge, where the blocking spell holds. Gong. A gust of wind blows me into a tree, and my dress tangles in the branches. Gong. Was that the ninth chime? By the time I pull free of the tree, two more gongs have sounded. I race forward, but the last gong sounds, and a blast of magic passes through me, raising the hairs on my neck. Below, where Juniper and Shade had been dancing, a ring of orange forms, growing more solid. I press my hands to my mouth. If that pumpkin erupts, the two could be crushed. In a desperate move, I utter the words I can only use once in a lifetime. I wish to stop this, Giselda. My heart twists from using my one and only wish, but a glowing light shines around me, and Giselda pops into view. Her pink dress and wings sparkle. Took you long enough, dearie. Below, someone screams, and someone else. It's happening. I point downward, my wings so tired I lose altitude. Please, make it stop. A leaf turns into a squash and plummets to the ground, smashing a cello. More fairies scream. Giselda waves her wand. Below, one of the tables is turning orange, but it doesn't go full gourd. I sag with relief, sinking to the ground. Hunter flattens the last of his guard trouble and rushes to meet me. You okay? His cheek is bleeding and his tunic is torn. He looks amazing. I think it's over. I rip off a petal from my skirt to press onto Hunter's bleeding cheek. Giselda gives her wand a little tap and giggles. Whoops, I have made a mess of things, haven't I? She flicks her wand at Hunter, mending his torn tunic and getting rid of the swelling in the side of his face. There. She steps back, clapping her hands. More than two wishes have been granted tonight. With a wink, she's gone, leaving behind a trail of pink sparkles. I dab at Hunter's face. What was with all her winking and clapping? He catches my hand and leans closer, eyes dropping to my lips. Like she said, more than two wishes were granted. Does he mean he wants me to fall for him? My heart melts like warm chocolate chips in a cookie. For the last year, I'd worked with Hunter, arguing, competing, and pretending I hated him. But maybe what I felt was quite the opposite and by forgetting to turn off the magic, 
Giselda had given me and Hunter a reason to unite. I stare into those intense green eyes and lean in for a kiss. As I always imagined, sparks fly. And what do you know? Turns out, it was the perfect day to leave my wand at work. I hope you enjoyed listening to The Midnight Requirement by Jennifer Dyer, narrated by Corinne Norton. Jennifer is hard at work on the next installment in her Midnight World, but if you can't wait for more, there's an even shorter short story published by Havoc that you can snag as a member of their site. For those of you who missed the episode featuring Havoc stories, Havoc is a flash fiction e-zine that publishes 1,000-word stories each day. It's only $5 to be a member for an entire year, and there are some great nuggets in their archives. Even better, today's story is part of a much larger fantasy anthology with all the stories revolving around midnight, called Meet Me at Midnight. And the entire anthology is free. And if you enjoyed Jennifer's story, you'll also want to head to her website to snag a free copy of her lighthearted thriller, One Night at Hilltop Manor, which is at jenniferdyerbooks.com. I'll have links to the Havoc short, the full anthology, and her website in the show notes. This month, I've brought back the giveaway with a few changes. Instead of being monthly, I'm aiming to offer the giveaway three or four times a year. I had some requests to make the giveaway international, so this time around, we're giving away a three-month Audible membership plus three romantic fantasy audiobooks that I think you'll all love. I will try to change up the theme each time, so if romantic fantasy isn't your thing, you can still enter for the Audible membership, or you can wait and see what the next theme is. The giveaway is sponsored by a handful of authors who have been featured on the podcast over the last several months. As always, you can find it at findingfantasyreads.com slash giveaway. That and all the other links from today will be in the show notes. Thank you all for listening and happy reading. <laughs>